AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Movie Mike Destro, and today I am celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. If you've been listening for any amount of time and haven't realized, I'm Mexican. So I'm going to be sharing some of my favorite movies as a Mexican-American to celebrate this month. And I also think that if you haven't seen these movies yet, you may enjoy them as well. I'll explain why these movies are important to me. I'll also get into a movie review of Clint Eastwood's new movie called Cry Macho, which is on HBO Max. And I want to give a tribute to Norm MacDonald and share what I think are some of his funniest movies after sadly he passed away last week. So lots to get you on this week's episode. Appreciate you being subscribed and listening every single week to the podcast. Without any further ado, let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. So it is Hispanic Heritage Month. It kicked off last week on the 15th and then the 16th with Mexican Independence Day. So I wanted to bring to you what I feel like are the most influential movies on me being a Mexican-American and movies that have had an impact on me, but also that I've seen kind of myself and my family represented on the big screen because I feel like these movies are very far and few in between. And as you'll see, as the years that some of these movies came out, it was like very early on, like right before I was born that these movies came out. And then two that really came out since I was born and it really had an impact on me. But I think for me, I've kind of struggled with seeing myself and my family and our culture represented on the big screen. I think it really wasn't until like the last 10, 15 years that I realized that could actually be an option. And I feel like Hollywood has become more inclusive about that and done a better job about representing everybody. I think everybody should be able to look at like superheroes and, you know, big leading actors and main characters that, oh, that person looks like me. They've grown up the same way I have. There's something there that I can grasp onto. 
And it was these movies that I'm going to talk about that I feel like do a good job of representing that, but also being entertaining movies that I think anybody will enjoy. But for me personally, these are ones that I kind of looked at as kind of the stepping stones of not just great movies, but they affected me on a personal level, you know, coming from that background. And if you're not familiar with my story and, you know, my family story, my parents were both born and raised in Mexico. They grew up in Guanajuato, Mexico, in this really small little ranch outside of the Lourdes Hidalgo. And they lived there, you know, from when they were kids to about teenagers. And my parents grew up really, really poor. I'm talking dirt poor. My dad tells me stories about, I don't know if this is 100% true or not, but I don't know or question why he would lie about this. But at one point, he says he was so hungry and they were so broke that he ate a skunk just to have something to eat. He also tells me stories about going to sleep just so he wouldn't feel the hunger pains in his stomach. So that's where my family kind of grew up. And it was my dad realizing that if he wanted to start a family and wanted something better for his kids and, you know, to live through that, that he did, he would have to come to the United States. He met my mom. They came over here and had my older sister, my older brother and started their family here. My dad worked the lowest level of jobs as you can imagine. He started out like cleaning escalators and then eventually became a truck driver, which he's been doing now for over 25, almost 30 years now. They both become citizens when I was in elementary school and really just love being American. Like it's their favorite thing. When my dad got a citizenship test, I don't think I've ever seen him that excited and that proud. And it was growing up like that that we would sit down and watch movies. And whenever we were able to see characters or families like us, that really got us excited. These became our favorite movies that we would all watch together. And I think that's why they hold such a close place to my heart, not only because what they are about, but also because these are all movies that my family and I have bonded over watching. And still, if I go home to this day, we'll probably watch these movies and all enjoy them. So starting out, I want to talk about Selena, which you've probably heard of the most out of every movie on this list I'm going to talk about. And it's because maybe you've heard her music as being the biggest Tejano pop star we've ever seen. They've also done a Netflix show on her, but she was famously played by Jennifer Lopez. And everybody just kind of knows her story now through this movie. And for me, it was a little bit more than that. Of course, as a kid, I was old enough to remember when she did die. But I guess I really didn't grasp of how big she was at the time. And it was watching this movie that really made me realize how influential her music was on kids like me and families like mine and how that also just kind of even took a step further and got into the pop world. And it's just so sad how short her career was cut when she was killed. And I think the movie goes a step further from just focusing on her as an artist and her music to focusing on what it's like for a Mexican-American family. And there's this scene where they're all driving and she's already starting to rise to fame. And she's bridging the gap of, you know, performing in the United States, but then also wanting to go over and perform in Mexico. And the hard thing for Selena is, like me, she was born in the United States and grew up speaking mostly English. That's how I was. Like, I was the youngest of my two older siblings. So by the time I came around, my siblings were already speaking English and my parents were still like half Spanish, mostly Spanish, but also knew English. So by the time I came around, I just learned English first and I would pick up Spanish by also learning from them, but I would gravitate more towards English. It took a long time for me to become more fluid in Spanish and I had to really practice at it more. But there was this kind of divide with me of wanting to be, you know, American. I love being American, but also having this culture of being Mexican. 
And there is a scene that I'll play for you right now that I think kind of fully explains that battle. So here's that scene. Being Mexican-American is tough. Anglos jump all over you if you don't speak English perfectly. Mexicans jump all over you if you don't speak Spanish perfectly. We've got to be twice as perfect as anybody else. I mean, we got to know about John Wayne and Pedro Infante. We got to know about Frank Sinatra and Agustin Lara. We got to know about Oprah and Christina. And we got to prove to the Mexicans how Mexican we are. And we got to prove to the Americans how American we are. We got to be more Mexican than the Mexicans and more American than the Americans, both at the same time. It's exhausting. And I think I always just related to that scene and those feelings of, you know, like, for me, growing up, I was into punk rock music, and that wasn't seen as being like a Mexican thing for some reason. I was like, what? I like punk rock music. This is what I like. But I also like Los Tigres del Norte. Like, that's just kind of how I grew up, and I related so much to that scene to where I was like, it is exhausting to have to prove to like my family in Mexico that, hey, I can speak Spanish. I know I live in America now, but I come here, and like I get it. I'm not trying to sound in any way better than you. Like I am Mexican. I come here. And I fully embrace my roots. But also when I go back to the United States, I keep that with me too. So that'll always be like my favorite scene of that entire movie because it perfectly explains everything I felt as a kid, as an adult, even now. So I think if you were able to go back and watch Selena now, if you haven't seen it, aside from her career and the music, I think you could take away that theme and really learn a little bit more about Mexican-American culture in that way. Next up on my list is a movie I've talked about a lot on this podcast. It's one of my favorites. I've also interviewed Lou Diamond Phillips, and we got all into talking about La Bamba. So if you haven't listened to that episode, it was earlier this year. You can go back in the catalog here on the podcast and check out that interview. And I've talked before about how important this movie is, but there's one specific scene that I haven't really talked about when it comes to my life and how... I don't use my real name and it's kind of a radio thing. I think when I got into radio, even when I was just younger, always wanted to have a different name. And it's not that I'm ashamed of, you know, my real last name or don't want to use it in any way. I just thought it was a lot cooler to make up a name that could be completely you. And, you know, I saw people in bands doing this. I saw actors doing this. And once you got into radio, hardly everybody uses their real name. If you look at just our radio show, The Bobby Bone Show, Bobby has a radio name. Lunchbox has a radio name. Eddie doesn't really use his last name, although it's out there. Amy, for the longest time, didn't use her last name. Raymundo goes by Raymundo. He's, he's Ray. He goes by Cezan now. So I think it was always a thing of like once I had a shot to be on the radio, I wanted to have a different name. And aside from that, I also know there are a lot of mics out there. And I wanted something completely different. So when I got on the social media, I got on the Instagram and Twitter, that I could for sure secure my name. So I came up with Distro. It really means nothing. It's all made up. If you're listening now and are like, his real last name is not Distro, it's not. I have a Mexican last name. And in part of that, while I was inspired by it, was the movie La Bamba and this scene specifically. I want to discuss one thing with you, okay? Come here. What is it? Your professional name. From now on, it's Richie with a T. R-I-T-C-H-I-E. I got a new last name for you, too. Valens with an S. Richie Valens. How's that grab you? I don't like it. I mean, Valenzuela was our dad's last name. You can't just cut it in half. It's no big deal. People in this business, they, they change their names like, like they change wives. Trust me on this one. Let's just go. So thinking about that scene, I just remember that of like him not wanting to change his name, but they also, you know, 
wanted to make his name and sound more American, which I get it. And I feel like when it comes to my name, I just wanted people to see it and not have any inclination what my name was pertaining to. It just sounded like a different name. And I was like, if Richie Valens can do it, I can do it too. And that scene specifically was a big decision why I was like, all right, I'm going to change it and use a different name. So if you ever wondered the story behind my name, there it is. It means nothing. And then the third movie I really want to get into is a movie from 1988 called Stand and Deliver, also starring Lou Diamond Phillips, who I've talked to you very briefly about this movie. And if you're not familiar with this movie, it's about a math teacher named Jaime Escalante, who is played by Edward James Olmos. And he's working at this high school in East L.A., where it's mainly a huge Hispanic population. And he takes these kids who, one, have a hard time just coming to school. Others just have been told that they'll never really amount to anything. They'll go to jobs that aren't really high paying. And there's some kids that really want to focus in on class. So it's going to be something, but they're all just kind of stuck at the school. And what he does comes in, teaches them advanced calculus and is able to get them at a level to where they get so good at taking the tests that people think they're cheating is essentially what the movie's about. And them kind of getting to that level of, you know what? There is something else out there for me. Like I can go to school and I can make something of myself and don't really have to do what everybody in my family has done over and over again. Like you can kind of break that cycle. And this is all based on a true story. The real teacher, this really happened. And this movie was huge for me growing up because like I talked about earlier, my parents came here from Mexico and in Mexico, they didn't make it past grade school. It just wasn't a thing. Once you are able to go out and work in the fields and go do things like that or come to the United States, you really just stop going to school. My dad made it to about third grade. I don't think my mom made it much further, maybe fourth or fifth grade before they were like, all right, you got to start working now. You got to help out the family. And this is just kind of what you do. And being a first generation here in the United States, I really didn't have much of a roadmap of like, how do I do well in school? But outside of doing well in school, like, how do I go to college? Like, what is that going to look like? There was no roadmap. There was no one I could ask because no one in my family had done it before. And these are the thoughts I have in elementary school. Luckily, I had an older sister who did go on to be the first in my family to go to college and to graduate college. And I was the second and first male to actually go to college and graduate. So I related with this movie a lot of in some ways being told by society that you couldn't really amount to a whole lot but kind of pushing on those boundaries and being able to know that you're really capable of anything you do, despite any kind of background you come from, as long as you dedicate yourself into something, you put your mind to it, you focus, you study hard, you can go on to do whatever you want. And I think it was watching this movie, seeing and learning about their stories and realizing that it was a true story. It wasn't just some completely Hollywood made up thing that I realized if I dedicated myself to school to learning, to studying, that I could kind of do something with my life. And it was something that my parents really wanted me to do. They didn't want me to have to go through what they went through and work in the positions that they had. They always wanted something more for me and my brother and sister, knowing where they came from and how hard it was for them and their families of just, you know, being at the very, very bottom and not having a lot and having to go in every single day to jobs that were not only a toll on them physically, but mentally too. And the movie is also just a great representation of that kind of divide and feeling of, you know, being an outcast and living in areas of cities and 
parts of the country where you struggle economically. You're not living in the best housing. You're not living in the best scenario. If you go outside and there's people fighting and there's, you know, crime happening, you know, there's all these situations where you can come from, but the idea that you can get out of those situations. And I think for me, I really wanted to make sure that I didn't put myself in those situations, but also really thank my parents to giving me a chance to be more than that. So I think that's why this movie was really so special to us as a family to sit down and watch. And it also has some comedy in there, some light moments too that do make it funny. So those are the main three movies that if I had to say, watch these movies for Hispanic Heritage Month to kind of know a little bit more about what that kind of life is like, I would suggest those three. The close one next to that and the one that's come out the most recent is one that I feel like really just took Mexican culture and put it in a fun way that everybody could enjoy, which was Coco from 2017. Pixar did an amazing job just visually with this movie, but also taking, you know, the Day of the Dead and making that kind of a fun visual concept and bringing in the emotion, but also at the core of that movie, it's about family. And that's really what Mexican American culture, Hispanic culture is. It's so family focused of like being there with your elders and, you know, caring and remembering those who passed before us. I think that's what I realized is just really so important of like taking time to remember those we have lost, which is at the core what this movie is about and also throws music in there. So it, there's just so many layers to this movie and it's done so well that I love just that it represents Hispanic culture at its core. And it's a movie that I'm excited that once my wife and I do have kids that they would enjoy but also get to know about their culture and get to know about what it is to be Mexican-American. Because I think that's something I'm starting to think about now as I grew up, you know, I was lucky enough to where I had to learn Spanish because that was the best way for me to communicate to my parents and my uncles and my grandparents. But knowing that I want to keep that instilled in my future children to like, okay, you're also Hispanic too. You're going to learn some Spanish as well. And I think hopefully this movie will inspire them just a little bit, at least before I get into showing them Stan and Oliver and La Bamba and all that. Like, we'll start with Coco. But of course, there's the scene where, you know, he sings with his grandma. Mama Coco, your, your papa, he, he wanted you to have this. <gasps> Mama, wait. Remember me. Though I have to say goodbye. Yeah, the scene that made us all cry. And I think it made me cry for a couple levels. One, because like right when I moved to Nashville, I actually lost my grandma. Like on the day I was driving, leaving Texas to come to Nashville, I made a stop in my hometown, Waxahachie, to go to her wake. And a year later, this movie comes out and that all kind of came flooding back. And I'm thinking about it now and I must stop talking about it. But there are also some honorable mentions I do want to add in there. Mi Familia, which was another important one for me growing up but I didn't really get to watch as a kid because there is some nudity so I wasn't allowed to watch that movie but I remember watching it later. There's also some great comedies like Born in East LA, A Million to Juan. I never really got into the Cheech and Chong movies but I feel like I really like those movies because they embrace Mexican culture but they're also funny. Not a whole lot of Hispanic comedies out there and a lot of them were done like late 80s early 90s. There have also been some recent kind of like family comedy dramas like Instructions Not Included or Under the Same Moon that my mom really loves. And I've watched those movies with her because she loves Eugenio Derbez, one of her favorite actors. Those are also just some great family movies, despite that they are, you know, Hispanic movies. So those are a little bit more on the family side. But 
just wanted to share that with you, let you guys learn a little bit more about where I come from and my family and these movies that have had this impact on my life. So just a special shout out on this month to all my fellow Hispanics out there. If there's any movie that you feel represents Hispanic culture and want me to add to this list, hit me up on Twitter at Mike Distro. Send me a DM on Instagram, or you can always send me an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she? as my father believed, a witch. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get into a movie review now, talking about Clint Eastwood's new movie called Cry Macho, which I guess we're kind of following along with the Hispanic theme here. I'll get into what that title means, but if you haven't seen or heard about this movie yet, which I didn't really see a whole lot of promotion on it, maybe we'll find out why, but it is on HBO Max and also in theaters right now. But here is just a quick little bit of the trailer. My son, Rafael, he's in trouble. I want to get him out of Mexico. You want me to go down there and kidnap him? Please, just get him back up here. Just you? Just me. Hey, Rafael, come out now. I'm a friend of the family. Touch me and I'll kick your asshole, man. Jesus Christ. All right, so let's get into first what this movie is about. It's about Clint Eastwood, and he plays this retired bull rider slash he just got fired from his ranch hand job. But he's a 90-year-old guy, kind of down on his luck at the moment. The movie starts out by him getting fired by his boss, played by Dwight Yoakam. 
fast forwards about six months later and Dwight Yoakam's character comes to him and says, hey, I got this job for you. I need you to go into Mexico City, bring back my kid from his alcoholic mom and convince him to go with you and bring him back into the United States to come live with me on the ranch. Kind of the premise of this movie, which I was pretty interested in. I would say the first 20 minutes, again, I always talk about the first 20 minutes of a movie, were pretty entertaining because I love that premise. And I guess I thought the movie was going to be a lot grittier than it was. And when it comes to movies that Clint Eastwood writes and directs, I just feel like that's kind of the vibe I was expecting. I was, of course, going into it having knowledge of all the movies he's done. I was expecting a Western, but I was also expecting a drama. And when the movie started out, I thought that's what we're getting into. But then right around the main plot kind of started to kick off and he goes and meets with the mom and tries to talk to the kid. I realized that Clint Eastwood was not the actor needed for this movie. And I think a bit of it is just kind of taken away that the fact that he is a 91 year old guy playing this character who at times is meant to be intimidating at times is meant to be a love interest and I just felt it was a bit of a stretch for Clint Eastwood and maybe it's also that he directed and starred in this movie that his acting just wasn't up to par like I guess he couldn't direct himself like perfectly to get the performance out of himself that he needed I felt like the dialogue was very weak and the acting was a little bit awkward on his part. So from where I was going into this expecting like this grittier kind of dark drama crime movie a little bit, it really kind of turned into just like a road trip movie. And if it had a little bit more laughs and a few more gags, it would have been like a full on like I could have seen this as like a Nickelodeon movie because it's rated PG-13, not a whole lot of violence, not a whole lot of cursing or anything like that. I felt like the movie just really kind of lost its edge. And it just turned into like a full out road trip movie, which would have been fine. But then just throughout the entire movie, not a whole lot happens. And aside from that, it kind of goes back to him just not being completely right for this role. Like, you mean to tell me that a 91 year old Clint Eastwood and this, you know, teenage kid can't be tracked down by these hired Mexican henchmen like they can't be apprehended like it's just a little bit of a stretch for me it was hard for me just to fully embrace what was going on in this movie and aside from that being Mexican-American and aside from that of being you know Mexican-American and knowing what Mexico is actually like I don't think it was accurately portrayed in this movie the whole time it felt very safe in every situation I've traveled from Texas all the way down to where my parents are from in a car. And I know there's some places in Mexico you just don't stop. But yeah, they were pulling off on the side of the road, finding, you know, all these paths to take and felt completely safe the entire time. I don't think that would actually happen in the real world. And they also encounter a lot of people who just happen to speak English. Now, every time I go to Mexico and have been to Mexico, that's very hard to find. <laughs> And I get it's a movie, but if you're, you know, in Mexico filming this movie, trying to accurately kind of portray that that culture, I think they missed the mark there. So I just really didn't get what I was expecting out of this movie. And I just think he shouldn't have starred and directed in it. Like, I like Clint Eastwood as a director. I think it's a little bit hit or miss now. Richard Jewell was a little bit awkward in the beginning and then got better towards the end. But movies like American Sniper were great. I think the last time he was able to direct and star in a movie and do a great job at both was probably back in 2008 with Gran Torino. But I felt like since then, even movies like The Mule, he hasn't really got there yet. But I think at this point, this movie just felt like a parody of an old Clint Eastwood movie. But I still, I just gotta give props to Clint Eastwood for still acting at his age, but also 
knowing and well that he's going to be in a scene in this movie where he's seen as the romantic interest and that this woman is throwing himself at him. I think that's why I bumped this movie up just a little bit in the grading system, but I would say probably just skip this movie. Definitely glad I didn't go see this one in theaters. If you have HBO Max and have just been curious to watch it now that I've been talking about it, it's not the worst thing you'll ever see, but just don't go into it expecting this great Clint Eastwood movie. I would give it two out of five roosters, which that is a no to his pet rooster in the movie who is named Macho, which means tough. So the whole movie is supposed to be this representation of, you know, being tough, crying macho. And I think even that gets lost a little bit, but that's what the title means. But anyway, yeah, that's my review of Cry Macho. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she? as my father believed, a witch. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get into some movie news now. And the only thing I want to talk about is Norm MacDonald, who passed away last week at the age of 61, a nine-year battle with cancer that he told nobody about. And Norm MacDonald, I saw a lot of stuff last week about, you know, all the great things he did on SNL, his stand-up, which is amazing, his last special on Netflix is really one of the best if you haven't seen that. But I didn't see a whole lot of people talking about his movies, and he starred in a lot of movies. He did a lot of great cameos, too, but I wanted to talk about what I thought were his funniest three movies and just kind of give a backstory on Norm MacDonald. But he got his big break in Hollywood, writing for Roseanne, and then he wrote for The Dennis Miller Show in 1992. And then a year later, he joined Saturday Night Live, which I think is what most people would know him for. If you haven't really followed along with his comedy and his movies since, 
You probably know him from doing Weekend Update on SNL, but he did that for three seasons. He also had his own sitcom on ABC in 1999 called Norm, but then he was in a lot of movies. That's really what I kind of knew Norm MacDonald for the most, at least when I would watch movies in the 90s and the 2000s. There was a lot of his cameos in different movies, like Funny People, Man on the Moon, Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. And then, of course, I will talk about Billy Madison. But there are two movies that he was the lead in that I really just loved. And I thought they were the funniest movies. Had them on DVD. I would watch these movies all the time. One of them is probably one of my favorite comedies of all time. I'd easily put it in the top 10. But his three funniest movies, what I think were at number three, I think his best role as a character in an Adam Sandler movie was him in Billy Madison. He was one of his friends in the movie. I just thought he delivered the funniest lines in this. And the thing about Norm MacDonald, sometimes it's not even what he says, but how he says it. He just has this cadence about him that he, you know, the way he talks is just funny in itself. But I think he had some of the best one lines in Billy Madison. What's today? October? Well, this is great. When I graduated first grade, all my father did was tell me to get a job. <laughs> hey, you want to feed that donkey some beer? Get it all messed up? Maybe later. I'll go put some beer in a bucket. Okay. Oh, man, Billy, I just thought of the funniest thing. Billy? Where's Billy? He's in school, man. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was a good compilation of his funniest moments in Billy Madison. I think that one scene alone, like, I would just remember saying for no reason whatsoever, I'm not going to put some beer in the bucket. I put that one at number three. At number two, he started a movie called Screwed, which was like a Christmas comedy movie, and he starred alongside Dave Chappelle. And the movie is about him working for this rich woman who doesn't treat him the best, and he tries to, and him and Dave Chappelle come up with this scheme to ransom himself, to get a bunch of money from her so they could go and live these big extravagant lives and leave behind their dead-end jobs, and it doesn't exactly go as planned. Hey! You can't park there! That's a tollway zone! never coming back. Go park it up your ass. <laughs> Excuse me. We'd like two tickets to Bally. First class. <laughs> and how will you be paying for that? Oh, that's a good question. That hadn't really occurred to us, really. Well, I don't know. How about this cash? <laughs> we got money. Back off there, lady. <laughs> So that's a great movie. It's also a great comedy for if you want to watch something during Christmas that's not really a Christmas movie, but it kind of is. Danny DeVito is also in it. So it's a very funny, like completely 90s comedy movie and a very Norm MacDonald movie. But at number one, one of my top 10 comedies of all time and one I feel that doesn't really get talked about a whole lot. One, because it wasn't that big of a success at the box office. Two, you probably couldn't make this movie today. And three, I think Norm MacDonald just didn't have the biggest success when it came to being a leading man. Even though these movies are funny and they were great, I just think they were never as well received by everyone as maybe I found them funny. But the movie is called Dirty Work. He starred in this movie with Artie Lang, Chris Farley. There's also a cameo from Adam Sandler. A bunch of funny people in this movie. And it's about him and Artie Lang trying to raise money to save Artie Lang's dad. And they come up with this revenge for hire business to where... 
people hire them to get back at people who have done wrong to them in their lives. It's a very funny concept for a movie. So many great comedic scenes. But I think at the core of it is just Norm MacDonald being Norm MacDonald and it being completely funny. Hey, uh, Mitch, you're really starting to like this Kathy, aren't you? No. Mitch, I know you, man. When you say no like that, you really mean yes. What are you talking about? Watch, I'll show you. Mitch, uh, did you ever rob a bank? No. Did you ever climb Mount Everest? No. All right. Did you ever say that you can see why women find Sean Connery sexy? No. Okay, so I like Kathy a little bit. Man, I hate the fact that we have to destroy her grandmother's building. But we have to. Yep. So those are the three that I would consider the funniest Norm MacDonald movies. If you haven't seen those or looking for a laugh or just looking to remember Norm MacDonald, those are three great ones to check out. Just wanted to do that in movie news and just RIP to Norm MacDonald. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. I really saw a lot of love last week on social media, like all the tags and comments that I saw about that week's episode really meant a lot to me. And every single week, I like to shout out one of you guys who do those things of, you know, tagging me on your Instagram story, posting on Twitter a picture of you listening to the podcast and just give you a shout out here on the podcast. That's all you have to do to get one of these. You can tweet me at Mike Distro or send me an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com. This week, this one comes to us from Instagram stories. I was tagged by DisNerd2782, a.k.a. Andrea. She wrote, it must be a Monday, and posted a picture of her iPhone propped up inside her car listening to the episode. So that was really cool to see. I think those are my favorite, like the screenshots of your dashboard. So shout out to you. I think those are my favorite to see of like it queued up. Listening on a Monday on your car dashboard, that means a lot to me. So I'll be looking out for those again this week. Thanks everybody for listening. Hope you have a great rest of your week. And until next time, later. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.